following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Today, very briefly, in the time we have remaining, we're going to look at the final portion of Jude's letter to the church. And after two different messages through this letter so far, which were very different from one another, this final message, this final paragraph section of this letter is about encouragement. I'm going to tell you a brief story about encouragement. <laughs> uh, and I've told some, some of you this story before. Back in 2001, I went with three other guys out to Wyoming for a week to do some ministry inside uh, Yellowstone National Park and the Grand Teton National Park. And uh, we, we had connected with a, a pastor out there, a local church pastor, who already had some things going on in the national parks. And so he kind of pointed us in the right direction. We, we camped a couple of nights out in Yellowstone, and we would set up different spots to uh, do some impromptu little worship services. We'd sing and hand out some gospel tracts and talk to people along the trails. Lots of people out there walking on the trails and hiking and those types of things. So it was really, really good week. Uh, the last day, we had, we had gone all over the place. We had hiked up a, a mountain that was uh, called Avalanche Peak. The, the peak was 10,570 feet. We went to the very top, and it was, the view was amazing. All the, I mean, we had a great week, not just in ministry, but just seeing God's creation from a new perspective. It was amazing. So we'd done all these different hikes and camping and all this stuff. So the final day... We thought, all right, we'll just do something easy. This is a, there's a pretty lake over in the middle of Yellowstone, and, and it's a, a sh about a two-mile hike, but it's pretty level. It's not much elevation change. It'll be fun. It'll be beautiful. Let's go do that. Well, we did that, and we got two-thirds of the way through, and you go around, and you get uh, to the one side of the lake, and you have to go through this other part of the, the, the trail, and it passes through uh, where the trees kind of grow together, so it's like a little tunnel. And you come out the other side, and you're basically walking around this lake to get to the other side where on the, on the upper end of the lake, up into the woods a bit, is a really pretty waterfall. So that's where we were going to check that out. Well, we get about two-thirds of the way through our, our hike, and we, we round a corner. There's four of us now. My buddy is in the front. Actually, Brett Marlowe, who we're praying for, he was standing in front of me, and then me, and then the other two guys, because he had the camera. He, he took really good pictures, and so he was in front. So we round a corner, and he's looking down at his camera, and I'm looking ahead of him, and there's a bear standing in the middle of the path. Not a good moment. Uh, so I said, Brett, there's a bear. And he's looking at he, huh? And so I grab his shoulder, Brett, there's a bear right in front of you. And, uh, and so we stop, and the next thing I know, Brett's standing behind me. So now I'm in front, and he's taking pictures of me and the bear. So uh, all I can think of, we had to watch a video before we could camp in Yellowstone because we were going out where animals are, where the bears are. So you got, they have to you know, remove liability from themselves, so they make you watch this little video, little bear safety video. All right, so... Of all the things I saw in the video, here's the one thing I remember. Uh, obviously, you can't outrun a bear, 
So if you come up on a bear in the wild, they tell you on the video, don't run, okay? Don't turn around, so walk backwards slowly, speak in an even monotone voice, and uh, then if that doesn't work, wave your arms over your head as high as you can, and, and so then that will give the impression that you're larger than you really are, and maybe the bear will you know, not want to have you for lunch. So uh, that's what I could remember about the bear video. So we started walking backwards. The bear looked up, saw us. It was a black bear, about 400 pounds. It was not a grizzly, thank the Lord, but it was still a bear. So uh, we're walking backwards, and the bear starts walking toward us. So we're not gaining any distance. We're just moving. And, and so then I just remembered the video, and I started waving my arms. Well, as soon as I did that, the bear stopped, and he reared up on his back feet. And I was, uh, my prayer life was increased greatly. And uh, so he pivoted and turned around and started walking the other way. And I'm like, seriously? That, that stuff worked. Well, the only problem was there was hikers uh, on the other side of him. And so he stopped because now he's in between us. And so he's cornered. So he turned back around toward us and then walked up the hill a bit like 20 yards or so, and walked around us and came down on the path behind us and went the other direction. So we're, you know, hearts racing and, oh my, what, what, what just happened? We're, we're still breathing, everything's okay. So here's the, the point of that, and, and ultimately we, we had so much more to tell about that story about how God orchestrated a, an encounter for me to share the gospel with two guys on the way back um, and that's, that's a, another story I have to tell you about, the, the way that story ended. It was really cool. But here's the main point of that. When things get difficult, you have to go back to what you know. You have to go back to how you've been taught and trained. And albeit, this, in this instance, my training was minimal. I watched a video, but I remembered what I saw when it came time to actually put it into practice, I remembered what I had been told and I put it into practice and it was very beneficial for me. So in this final portion of the letter of Jude, he's going to remind us, believers, we cannot forsake the teaching we've heard. We can't forget what God says in his word to us. So let me read this last portion, this text, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to walk through very quickly and see what it is God has got for us in the end of this wonderful letter from Jude. Verse 17 is where I'll begin. I'll read to the end of the, end of the book. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were saying to you, in the last time... There will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray in Jesus' name today that you would speak clearly to us, Lord. The, the words on your pages are perfect, and the words on my page are not. So God, I pray we will hear just what you want us to hear. Help us remember so that we might obey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Four things today in this last section of this letter of Jude. Four things, and I'm going to try to, to hit all the major points here so we won't shortchange ourselves with God's Word today. Number one, remember the apostles' teaching. Remember the apostles' teaching. Verses 17 through 19, Paul's, uh, Jude, Paul, Jude starts out, but you, beloved, and this is a contrast of the church with the false teachers because remember this whole letter he's dealing with people who have crept into the church covertly. They are, they're in there unnoticed, he says, at the beginning of this letter. They've crept in unnoticed. So this is a contrast. You're beloved. If you are a believer in Christ, you are loved by God. But we've been warned about this before because Jude says, remember. You ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles. So this is not new teaching, okay? So remember, when, when God tells you to do something, it's usually not something that's brand new. It's usually something you really already knew because you've heard it before, and maybe we just have a, a memory lapse, and, and we, oh yeah, you did already tell me to do that. And that's convenient. It's called selective memory sometimes. We, we know what's right. You know, I, I found in my own life that I can no longer sin out of ignorance. Anybody with me on that? I, I know what's right. I've lived long enough, I've followed Jesus enough now to where I'm fresh out of excuses, okay? When I first got saved and I was reading the Bible and learning some stuff, I could have possibly said, oh, really? Oh, man, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But guess what? I can't say that anymore. I can't say that anymore. Not honestly, not with a straight face. So when I sin now, it's not out of ignorance. It's because I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus. And I think many of us are probably in that same category. So Jude says, remember the apostles' teaching. Jesus warned us about false teachers in Matthew 7. Remember, you will know them by their fruit. They come to you as sheep, but are in, inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's Matthew 7. Paul repeated this same warning in Acts chapter 20 in verses 29 and 30. Then Paul repeated the warning again in 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 3. Here's the thing, though. Forgetfulness of the teaching and warnings of God in Scripture is a major cause of spiritual deterioration. Do you feel like in your life, possibly, that your spiritual life is just not where it ought to be? Do you have days like that? You just, you don't feel like you're, you're following Jesus like you ought to. 
you don't feel as close to God as maybe you want to be or maybe you used to be? Well, here's a main cause of that. You forget what God says. You know how you forget what God says? You don't spend time reading what God says. You don't spend time studying what God says. You don't spend time with God. Therefore, by lack of practice, we forget. You know how important it is for us all to, to stay in this Word every day? Just, just imagine. Let me, let me just paint this picture for you real quickly. You know how difficult life is on this earth, in, in this sinful world, if we're in the Word every day and we spend time in prayer every day, how difficult life is in this sinful world? Now imagine you don't do that. It's already difficult. If you're, if you're in the Word, walking with the Lord, praying to God for help every day, it's still hard. Imagine how much more difficult it is if you don't do that. There's a quote that was attributed to John Wayne. He said, life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. Well, guess what? Life is hard. It's a lot harder when you forget God's Word. It's almost like you're not even giving yourselves a chance. We've got to stay in the Word. We have to remember the apostles' teaching because mockers are going to come into the church. We've been warned, false teachers, mockers. Peter gives this warning in 2 Peter 3. They follow after their own lusts. That's what the Word says in the last times, verse 18. There'll be mockers following their own ungodly lusts. They cause divisions. They're worldly-minded. False teachers were claiming to be so spirit-filled that there wasn't any room for law in their Christian lives. They claimed that grace was so abundant that their sin provided greater occasion for grace. You know what that is? There's a Greek word for it. Hogwash. It's not true. That's not what the Bible says. God's grace is not meant to allow us to sin more. God's grace is to drive us away from sin because we can't believe how amazing it is that we've been forgiven. That's what is amazing about grace. See, on the false teachers, they behaved like Pharisees. And we've talked about Pharisees a bunch of times. Worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit, which means if you don't have the Holy Spirit, that means you're not a Christian. And Paul explains worldly-minded and devoid of the Spirit over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But when these false teachers in this church were behaving like Pharisees, they claimed to be separated, like they're better than everyone. And Jude actually agrees with them because they are separate. Exclusiveness always hurts the exclusive man more than the ones from whom he separates himself. You ask for distinctions to, make, to be made. Well, in fact, it's the ones who are governed by the natural life, the natural impulses, so far from being filled with the Spirit, it's clear they've not got the Spirit at all. They're perhaps counterfeit Christians. You know, it's easy, believe it or not, it is easy to go through the motions, it's easy to display external characteristics. Did you know that you don't have to be a Christian to get in your car and, and drive to a church and walk in the back door? Anybody can do that. Anybody can, can open a book or look on a screen and sing words. Anybody. That doesn't, that doesn't 
automatically say you believe what you're singing or you believe what we're talking about. Anybody can smile and nod. Anybody can do that. That in no, you understand what I'm saying? Anybody can fake it. Anybody. Only God knows what's right here in your heart. Only God knows if it's genuine, if you really do believe, if you really do follow Christ, if you really do care about the Word, if you really do want to pray, if you really do want to tell other people about the goodness and the grace and mercy and kindness of Jesus Christ. Only God knows that. Anybody can put on a good act. Did you know I have been at, I've been in seminary, in chapel, where presumably everybody there, they're called to ministry. They're there to prepare to be a preacher or a missionary or some sort of uh, vocational Christian service. You would think everybody on a seminary campus is surely a Christian. Most semesters at seminary, during a chapel service sometime, people are getting saved. In a seminary chapel... You tell me you can't fake it. Tell me you can't rely on something else. Well, I just always went to church. I figured I was good. My granddaddy was a preacher. I figured I was good. My mama played the piano at the church for 40 years. I figured I was all right. Really? Do you know how many times I have talked to specifically 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old people? And here's what their testimony is. Well, I walked down the aisle when I was seven years old and I shook the preacher's hand and we prayed. But, you know, now I realize I didn't know what in the world I was doing. I just figured that was what I was supposed to do because I grew up in church and that's what everybody else did, so I figured that's what I would do. I didn't understand anything. I wasn't saved. I just got saved last week. That's how many times I've heard that. Because you grow up in a culture and you follow what you see being done, but you don't, you don't understand. Believe me, that is so much more common than we may realize. It's easy to fake it. It's not easy to live it. So we have to be on our guard. Remember the apostles' teachings. Number two, keep yourself in God's love. Verse 20 and 21. He uses the word again, beloved. But you, beloved, this is that contrast between the church and the false teachers. Now Jude launches out here in some highly compressed Christian instruction, which if we follow it, it would preserve us from contamination by, the, by false teachers. In fact, this is the main purpose of the whole letter, to equip us for Christian living in the context of false teaching all around us. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And how do we do that? We wait anxiously. Anxiously, he says, for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. We build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, our faith is holy because it's different. It's set apart from all others. It, it is unique in the message it teaches and in the moral transformation that it provides. If you really get into this Word, and more importantly, if, if this Word gets into you, I'm going to tell you a secret. You probably already know it. You can't come to Jesus and be the same. It doesn't work that way. 
if you have come to Jesus and Jesus has saved you and you get in His Word and you are reading and studying His Word and you're praying that the Lord would change you and grow you up and make you more like Jesus, guess what? He will and your life will look different. You will not be the same person once you are saved by Jesus Christ. Period. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15-20, Beware of the false teachers. You will know them. You will recognize them by their fruit. He didn't say you'll recognize them by their theological position on a particular issue. You understand? He said you'll recognize them by their fruit, by the way they live. That's how you'll recognize if it's real. And that goes for Christians too. If you know Jesus, something is changing. It may take a while, maybe on a slow curve. It may be like the Apostle Paul, boom, on the Damascus Road. He, Jesus turned him around quick. Not every, that's not how it happens with everybody. It didn't happen that way with me. It's not happening that way with me. God's working on me slow. I'm sure, but, you know, I'm hoping that's going to mean it's going to last because <laughs> he's taking his time getting me right. But understand whether it's slow or fast or in the middle, if Jesus has you, something's changing. Something's changing. Keep yourself in God's love. We have to study the Scripture if we're going to grow in the faith and be of any use to anybody. We have to pray in the Holy Spirit for the battle against not only false teaching. It's, it's not won by argument. False teachers here in, in this letter probably gave up on prayer. But let me just tell you this. If we outrun the apostolic scriptures and try to outrun prayer, that's, that's the, we may as well outrun Christianity. Because that's the main ingredients of Christianity is Bible study, prayer, study the scriptures, pray to God. We wait anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That's how we keep ourselves in the love of God. Number three, show mercy to the deceived. Show mercy to the deceived. Verses 22 and 23, this is probably some of the, the most profound words in this ending here. Listen to the three things he says to do here. Some, listen, some are going to doubt the truth. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. There's going to be some who doubt the truth, even in the church. Even in the church, some are going to doubt the truth. Some are going to be tempted to listen to false teachers, even in the church. We are saved to serve, and one of the best ways to discover the true value of any new theology is to test it in active Christian evangelism and pastoral care. This belief, this teaching, how does it affect the gospel? How does it affect the sharing and living of the gospel? Some will doubt the truth. Also, some will be tempted to follow false teaching. Jude says, save them. Save them. He says, snatch them out of the fire. I love that, that picture, that word picture. You see that in verse 23. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. It's almost as if they're right there at it. They're so tempted to, to go off the reservation and follow some false teaching and the fire is about to burn them and we're supposed to snatch them out of the fire. Well, guess what? Snatching somebody out of the fire is not a calm, cool, and collected event. 
it's more um, urgent. It's urgent. So I'm going to tell you, when there's danger of fire, listen, how this, this is one uh, commentator said it this way. When there's danger of fire, we don't hesitate to snatch them away violently, those who we desire to save, for it wouldn't be enough to just beckon them with a, a finger or a hand, like, oh, no, come on back this way. Come on. No, no, no. If, if they're about to be burned in the fire, there's urgency. He says, snatch them away violently if we desire to save them. And then also, some will have already given in to the false teaching, and we should have mercy on them. Verse 23, on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. This is a, a, a hearkening back to um, leprosy. You know, the inner garment, uh, if someone had suffered from le leprosy, they were ceremonially unclean. And so they, the inner garment they wore that had been directly next to their skin, they had to take it out and burn it because it had also been unclean. And so Jude's saying we, anything that's even close to the false teaching and the, the error, we, should, we shouldn't even want anything to do with that. And he says, with fear, save others, uh, having mercy with fear. We don't want to also be led astray. We don't also want to be... Galatians 6, Paul talks about this, about helping others. You who are spiritual should help someone, but it says keep a watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. We have to be careful, but we're still doing the word and the work of God. See, here, here's the thing about this. Once we begin to revel in that filthy garment, once we tolerate it and, and toy with it. Well, I wasn't, like, remember the, the line? Like, here's the line. I'm good on this side, but sin's on that side. Once we kind of toy with that line and get right up, right up to it, let, let me see how close I can get to sin without actually sinning. That's not smart, by the way. That's not smart. If this is the line between holiness and sin then we should be going that direction. We should be going away from the, the line of sin. We don't want to see how... We don't want to flirt with sin. My goodness, what kind of sense does that make? We don't want to get close to sin and see if we can keep from going over into it. We want to go the other direction. Doesn't that make sense? That makes good sense, doesn't it? We don't want to, we don't want to toy with it. Once we tolerate it and toy with it, we cease to be a useful servant of Christ at all. And listen to this. Once we treat sin as normal and commonplace, we're on our way to betraying the gospel altogether. Look around you. Look in the world, in our culture. This is what's happening. There's a, a push to make sin normal. No, this isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. It's just how I feel. This is how I want to do. There, if you read this book, not a lot of gray area. Not a lot of gray area. Our world wants to turn the whole thing gray. It's not great. Sin is not normal. It's a curse. It, you understand? It's a sickness. 
sin, sin's not normal, and, and we can't treat it as normal. Show mercy to the deceived. So here's, here's where we are. We're at the end. Remember the apostles' teaching. Keep yourself in God's love. Show mercy to the deceived. And finally, number four, give glory to God. This final two verses is the most amazing doxology. I read you one from Romans 16 earlier. Listen again to these last two verses. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. There are some amazing truths in these two verses. Only God can keep you from stumbling. Only God can cause you to stand in the presence of His glory. Only God can make you blameless. Only God can give you great joy. And only God is our Savior and Lord through Jesus Christ. And only God deserves glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Only God. There is no other. Only God. It's a dangerous thing to live for Christ in an atmosphere of false teachings, seductive morals. It's, it's a hazardous thing to try to rescue men for the gospel out of an environment like that, like, like we live in. If you get too close to the fire, it'll burn you. If you get too close to the garment stained by the flesh, it'll defile you. So what's the answer? Just to withdraw and be, be separate? No. No. We have to advance against the forces of evil. Face the danger involved. But we have to be strong in the Lord to do that. This is the thrust, the context of these final verses in Jude. In the end, we have to remember the God we serve. We have to remember He's faithful. He can be trusted even in the most difficult of circumstances. Are we supposed to just run the other way and let the world just go to hell by itself? Is that what we're called to do? No. No. We serve a God who can do anything. He can make good out of bad. He does it all the time. He's the only one who can make us stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. He's able to keep us from stumbling. We have sin all around us. There's trouble at every side, but guess what? None of that worries our God. None of it. He is sovereign over all creation. And there's nothing He can't do. Therefore, to Him be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority for all time, now, and forever. That's the God we follow. And we should get busy following. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. 
For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.